Welcome to Dear Runner Bod, the pod dedicated to helping you embrace your runner's body. I'm Serena Marie RD, a registered dietitian and body image coach who wants you to stop dieting and start fueling the athlete within. While I am a medical professional, the information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure. Now, let's start rewriting your body's story. I am so excited for you to listen to today's episode of Dear Runner Bod. We are interviewing my dear friend, Whitney Miller. Whitney and I found each other on the interwebs. We became friends through Instagram, and we've remained friends these past few years because our values are so, um, so interconnected. So I want to tell you a little bit about Whitney before she comes on the pod. Whitney is the founder and owner of Transcend Health and Wellness, and she is the creator of Transcend Strength, Transcend Fit, and the Transcend Running Retreat. With a background of over 10 years of experience in educating, mentoring, and leading, she founded her coaching business in 2017. Whitney works with individuals to empower their training in life so that they can train smarter, build strength, and live injury-free. With over 25-plus years of athletic and endurance sport experience, she brings the expertise of educated and powerful training to her clients. Whitney works with clients on transformation of their negative thoughts, mindset, and training habits so that they can heal their relationship with themselves and with their endurance sport. She coaches endurance athletes from 5Ks to ultramarathon distances and specializes in injury prevention, strength training, and mental mindset training. Whitney is honored to work with athletes, and she strives for greatness in all her client relationships. So we're going to dive into today's interview. I want to just let you know, Whitney is very generously um, giving everyone who listens to this pod a discount code. So definitely make sure you check out the podcast notes. You can find all the links to reach Whitney and also to cash in on the awesome coupon code. Welcome to another episode of Dear Runner Pod. Today we have my dear friend Whitney on the show. Whitney, say hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited because I, um, Whitney and I have been Instagram friends for years. We actually got to meet in real life last year um, at her amazing Transcend Running Retreat. And um, I'm just such a fan of Whitney because Whitney doesn't only just do the strength coaching, the run coaching, the endurance coaching, but she combines that with life coaching. And so Whitney, I want to kind of know like, why did you decide to combine those two fields? Like what got you interested in combining both of those things in your business? Yeah, great question to start out. And it's so fun to have finally met you in person. Last year was so fun. And shout out to you because you didn't mention this, but you were a guest speaker at the Trance and Running Retreat and talked all about body image and fueling your body as an athlete and all of the amazing things you do. And it was an honor to have you. So before I get into everything, I just want to thank, thank you. you. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. So yeah, when I started working with endurance athletes, a lot of athletes came to me with two primary things. The first thing was I have a goal. Typically it was a PR goal or a time-based goal, okay? Which like all of us who are runners can relate to that, right? And then the other goal was I also want to know how to train 
injury-free because I have struggled with injury after injury after injury. So those were the two kind of, I don't want to say surface level, but the two um, out front reasons. But as I started working with all of these athletes and really digging into why are these times important? Why is it important to be injury-free? Well, what's important about being injury-free? I really started to realize it was not about the time. It was not about the quote injury. It was about how they saw themselves as an athlete or as not an athlete, because a lot of my clients don't even identify when they come to me as an athlete. And it was about like what their body was either failing them at or really excelling them at. So it became more than just this like PR or this time or this quote goal. It was really about how they viewed themselves as an athlete, how they saw their body, how they saw themselves as an active individual. And so that's where that life coaching came in because it was all about not only their behaviors, but their thoughts, their beliefs, and then the deepest level of transformation, which is identity. And so that's where that life coaching piece became really important because I say this all the time and you've heard me say this, Serena, but running is so much more than the miles. And so knowing that going into conversations with people and then allowing them to find a space to realize that as well is is 90% of my work with clients. And I just like, this is the stuff that I think is so interesting. And, you know, I think the reason Whitney and I are friends is our practices are both based on this. Like you said, there's that surface level and maybe that's the wrong word to use, but like people come to you thinking, I just want a PR. And then they get so much more out of the experience than just like a PR. They really get to like tap back, tap into like the deepest layers of themselves, peel, peel that back and like hopefully become like transformed from this experience. And, um, you know, I, I feel like the work I do in nutrition is, is similar to that. So, so tell me Whitney, like you said so many things, questions about, but I want to kind of start with why do you think there is this resistance to call yourself an athlete? Like people are coming to you to PR. Like to me, it's like, you're clearly an athlete. Why do you think people like hold back on identifying as an athlete? Yeah. That is such like, we could have an entire episode all about that, right? Like that's such a layered question. And for every person, every individual, it's different because it's based on their personal individualized experiences um, in the athletic quote world that they grew up in. So either they weren't athletic or they were, or they saw a vision quote of an athlete and they weren't able to attain that for whatever reason. Maybe it was physicality. Maybe it was um, talent. Maybe it was just belief, right? Or maybe it was access to it. So there's there's that piece, right? Like the childhood piece, the how they see themselves and view themselves in their identity. But then also I think we have to talk about the 
society piece, right? What they're seeing in society may look different than who they are, or it may seem to be one way. So like, oh, well, if I'm an athlete, I have to train seven days a week and go balls to the wall and go 100% hard all the time. I can never take a rest day. Like, you know, and that's really a societal thing. It's the content people are consuming. It's the Instagram. It's the, you know, YouTube. It's the all the things, the magazines, right? Like it's it's all these things. It's professional runners, right? Because American professional runners are typically all uh, white, thin, uh, petite females, right? So, um, you know, it's it's a lot of things, but it, it really pairs like that childhood belief of what an athlete is, so how they grew up in an athletic world or not, um, and then also like their societal space that they're maybe knowingly or not knowingly opting into. Yeah. Yeah. It's like those deeply ingrained beliefs and then they're getting almost like confirmed by a lot of like society's biases. And like, you know, we can believe what we believe and we believe it very firmly, right? Like that anybody who runs or works out has the power to claim that identity as an athlete. But if everything you see on social media is telling you otherwise, it just like makes sense that it's so you have that resistance to like claiming that identity piece. So like Whitney, I know you can't like, you know, like give us like, you know, you can't like transform the listener just from listening to this one podcast. But like, what does that look like? Like, what does that look like when somebody's working with you and they have this resistance to calling themselves an athlete and then you're creating the training plan and you're making them go out there and do the amazing things with their body? Like, how do you kind of like push them to actually start to claim back that power that they are an athlete? Yeah. Great question. And I love how you said you can't transform the listeners. And in my mind, I said, try me. Like, let's go there. Try me. (laughs) Yeah, let's go there. Here's, I think, number one, the biggest piece. Every session that I ever have with anybody, whether you are a consultation or you are a client who's worked with me for three years, every session starts out with celebration. So what that does is it shifts the perspective, right? We, If you ask people what's going well, you would be amazed how many people cannot tell you. We can tell you till the cows come home, what is shitty, right? Like what is not going well, but we can't tell you what is going well. So shifting the focus. And at first that starts out with a lot of like life things like, oh, well, um, yeah, this thing went well in my job today. Or I felt really, you know, uh, great in my observation today that my boss did, or right, like it becomes kind of these out external things. But then as we practice every time we meet, it starts to become, oh, I felt really strong in this workout. Oh, I did this workout that I did three weeks ago, and I'm faster than I was three weeks ago. Or, hey, I went out on a run and Last week when I did my long run, my mindset and self-talk was crap. And I got done with the run and I cried and felt awful. And this week I went out and I 
was able to combat my negative self-talk because of the work I've done in this space. So starting with celebration, I think is number one, how that transformation happens because it allows them to start seeing what is going well in their life, in their running, in their training. But then also really working on the belief system of how to trust themselves and trust their body. And what sets working with a coach who customizes training versus a training plan you just purchase online that's already done for you is that that customization teaches you to trust your body. Every time I'm meeting with a client, I'm asking what's going well, what's not going well, where are you feeling really strong, where are you not? What do you feel like we could challenge you with this next two weeks? What do you feel like I just, with this next two weeks, with what I have coming up, I just don't know how I can fit it in. So a lot of it is that collaborative space that teaches them to trust themselves. So yes, I'm the coach. Yes, I'm creating the plan, but I'm collaborating with the athlete and I'm inviting them and affirming them to trust themselves. And then that's that's catapulted into that celebration that then happens too. So it's kind of like, let me try trusting myself. Oh, and then like I noticed that I did and I'm celebrating it. So it's, I would say those are the two biggest things that allow people to transform their belief about themselves as, as an athlete is learning to trust that they know their body the best. I, I love this so much for so many reasons. I think, and let me know, Whitney, I guess if you agree with this, like, I just, I feel like society does a really good job of like brainwashing us into thinking we can't trust our body. You know, we're yeah. told from the time we are very young that, you know, you can't trust your hunger cues. Like you can't trust yourself to relax because then you'll just become this lazy blob or, you know, you can't trust yourself around potato chips because you'll eat the whole bag. And like, we're just constantly taught to be fearful. And so it just yeah you're nodding your head there so so it just seems like so obvious that everyone is struggling with like finding that that trust and that's part of like the intuitive eating journey too so this is just so cool mm-hmm. to hear how this like spills over into all these different areas of life i i wrote down how you said customization teaches you how to trust your body that kind of blows my mind because it makes so much sense but i've honestly never like put that piece together But like essentially what you're saying is like if somebody comes to you and is like, I'm tired this week and you allow them that space to rest and then they still end up getting stronger or faster, it almost like helps to validate like, hey, I I rested when my body needed rest and yet here I am, flash forward, end of a training cycle and I still got stronger and faster. Like being resting is not bad like resting is not synonymous with being lazy and not making progress and like holy, like i believe that but holy cow that sentence customization teaches you how to trust your body like that is a game changer i love that yeah and that's i love that you pulled that out because that is 100% what i am the best at when I work with clients, I am the best at inviting them to have that opportunity 
And that doesn't mean that I don't challenge them. That doesn't mean that I don't push the envelope. That doesn't mean that we don't do things that are hard or that we don't do things that they maybe don't love. (laughs) Yeah. But what it does mean is it means that I am trusting you to tell me what you need. I don't know your body. I don't know your life. I can sit here and listen to you, but I'm not living it. I'm not inside your body. So I value and honor you as an athlete to share those things with me. And working to create a space that that can happen is part of that customization. And you're right. It does It does like, it's almost um, like a trial and error. It's like, okay, we try this. What did you notice? How did it go? What can you take away from it? And what new learnings can you now start to make new beliefs, right? So that learning of, wow, resting really doesn't make me lazy. Resting isn't, quote, bad. Okay. okay. Well, what what is it then? What's the new belief then? Resting supports me in accomplishing my goals. Awesome. So how can we now implement that into the next month, two months, however long we're working together? So that's a big piece of the puzzle. And it it really does ultimately teach someone to trust their body, not only in the training aspect, but then in life, right? Trusting their intuition in choices, decisions, relationships, job, et cetera. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is so powerful. Like you said, it spills over into everything in life. And I think it's it's just so interesting to hear how having that cue from you or, you know, from a coach to say, hey, let's not just do the workout, cross it off the training plan, go do the laundry, but to like literally take a a minute to say, how did that make me feel? Like, what did I learn from, you know, all of these workouts stacked on top of each other and like really kind of using that to now create new proof a new belief that you're trying to support that like rest isn't laziness that you know I don't constantly need external validation of every workout is you know the hardest workout I've ever done pat myself on the back right like we can we can change that narrative so that we have permission to be human because we are human we do need rest we're not machines <laughs> and having that like basic human need does not make us inherently not athletes or inherently not um, athletic. Um, so, so I kind of feel like this is bringing up a little bit of like ego, like the con- we need to have the conversation about ego, right? Because does yeah. ego does not like rest days. Ego does not like sh- like focusing on internal praise and validation. Ego is concerned with what other people think. So, I guess could you summarize like what is the ego? How does it get in the way of like being the best athlete you can be. Yeah. I think with ego, it's such a convoluted thing. Like we can sit in the space of where ego is only the person, but ego's more than that. Ego's, like I said before, like what you're absorbing what you're opting into, right? Um, The kind of people you're following, the kind of conversations you're having with peers about your workouts, 
athletic achievements, et cetera. So ego becomes an operating system, right? So it becomes like, oh, well, I have to talk about this race I just ran. Or, oh, I have to share on Instagram this really hard, badass workout I did. It it becomes like how you operate. So what I like to invite clients to do is like take a look at that operating system and we're not, you know, the thing is, is like we're not firing that operating system, right? Like that operating system has got you to where you are. So there's a big piece of the work that has to be done in thinking that operating system, right? Thinking those things that have challenged you and pushed you and maybe allowed you to try new things. So there's a positive intention for a lot of that. But there's also parts of it that are wrecking your body, causing injury, causing burnout, right? Causing self-hatred, causing all these negative beliefs. And so then it's like, well, where do we need to upgrade? Where do we need to upgrade these operating systems or these behaviors? So I always describe it to clients as, you know, like you've had a car for however long and it's a great car and it's worked really well and it's been reliable and it's, you know, it's served its purpose. But like, it might be time to upgrade. Like, Maybe you want an SUV or maybe you want a different car, right? So like not seeing it as I am totally changing who I am and my identity because that's really scary to the brain and to the soul and to the heart, but seeing it as like, oh, there's just some things that like maybe aren't working too great anymore. And they're causing these behaviors and outcomes that like I'm not really getting a lot from. And I'm frustrated with, which is why a lot of people come to me to begin with or come to a coach to begin with. So how can we upgrade them? How can we reframe them? How can we rework them to not be so based in this ego operating system, this old operating system that's giving you, quote, results or outcomes that you don't, you don't like or you don't want anymore? but you're so ingrained in how you're operating that it's like, it's, it's kind of like the hamster wheel, right? Like I know I shouldn't be doing this or I know this isn't serving me or I know this is causing burnout or et cetera, but I'm still doing it because like it's been working quote for however long. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's more of a gentle approach. It's not, it's not like an aggressive approach. And when people work with me, I mean, they work with me for six months, 12 months, three years, I mean, a long time because it's, this is not something that happens overnight. I always say awareness is the first step, but then like the next piece is creating a new operating system that, that takes a while and it, it needs to be done in a kind invitational space versus an aggressive, like, oh, no to my old me new me, here we are. Like that's, that doesn't work. And that's why people go back and forth between injury, burnout, injury, burnout, you know, all of those cycles that every runner has ever gone through in their life. Absolutely. I think this is so, I love this analogy of it's like your operating system 
and it's what you opt into. So what you're saying is essentially rather than like quieting the ego or like shrinking it, you almost like to use the narrative of like like I love upgrading it. So like changing it essentially. Yeah. So you get to kind of like keep that part of yourself, but but it's almost like the metric the ego uses to like um um, give you that that validation or that external validation. It's almost like rather than it being I posted like my fastest time on Strava, it could be like I posted that I took the day off because I yeah. felt tired today, and right. that like boosts your ego. That's so interesting. I really I really love that way of framing it because I feel like I've only ever heard of just like shrinking, not shrinking, but quieting your ego, like quieting sure. it. And so that's yeah. really an interesting way of thinking about it, Whitney. I love that. Yeah. And when we quiet it, like that is a great tactic and it, it can work for, you know, individuals, but also it, it kind of, um, represents for a lot of people that then that part of them is bad. Like there's some piece of them that is not doing the right thing or right and that then, you know, causes kind of like a flood of negative emotions, more negative self-talk. And and so it's like, how can we see those behaviors as almost like things that have gotten us to where we are? Thank them, but then say like, hey, I'm just going to like add a new thing in, right? Like I'm going to add a new belief or I'm going to add a new way of trying things and it's 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 a lot of just trying and seeing how it sits how it works what the outcome is what the result is and then kind of addressing it and shifting trying again upgrading reframing right like it's it's a constant practice it's never something that i don't think it's easy it, you just become more aware of it and like I almost think especially for like the peop like the people listening to this podcast, the people we listen to, I I think something that's always so interesting is that rest is really uncomfortable for a lot of us because we are so, you know, addicted to that exercise high. We're so ambitious and we're always working on improving ourselves. And so it, it it can feel really uncomfortable. Rest can feel really uncomfortable. And then yet at the same time, the like I love what you just said, Whitney, how like it's hard to upgrade your ego. It's hard yeah. to take the rest days when you really want to post on Strava that you did a hard workout today. And so as athletes, as runners, that we pride ourselves on doing hard things, like this, in my opinion, and for my personal story, that's the ultimate hard thing. Like yeah. I always tell my clients, I'm 100%. like, yeah, running a marathon is hard, but do you know what's way harder? Unlearning all of the toxic beliefs that I had about like my self-worth and my body that I had been creating since I was 13 years old as a child athlete, like that is the ultimate hard work. And right. yeah, like, so I just think it's so interesting to think about like how this is hard, but as athletes, don't we pride ourselves on doing hard things? And like, that's just like motivation for me of like, yeah, it's hard. Then watch me do it. Yeah. And that's a great 
like mindset and um, reframe to take into that, right? Um, because we do, as athletes, we do pride ourselves on doing the hard things. And so why wouldn't we want to opt into then doing the hard mental work, right? And and life coaching essentially is mental mindset, right? Like a lot of it is mental mindset. Yes, it's behaviors, but our behaviors stem from our thoughts. And so it's really that mental mindset. Mental work, mental mindset is the hardest of the hard because no one is in your brain but you. So if your brain is a constant racket of negative, I mean, what is more hard than taking that on? So I really like that approach and that that thought process. And that's a really good takeaway for anyone who is listening to this who's saying like, okay, this all sounds great, but like I would rather do physical hard things than the other side of it. Well, the other side of it is harder than any marathon you're ever going to run. I mean, essentially, that's what I believe. So, so like, what if what if someone's in the between stage? Like, they're like, I don't know if I'm ready to like work with a coach yet. Like, I'm scared of this whole idea of like upgrading my ego. But like, I do acknowledge like my mindset's really negative. I have really bad self talk. Like, do you have any like tips that they could implement? Like today or tomorrow to just like get curious about what it would be like to start to rewire their self-talk? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I would say the number one practice is awareness. And that sounds very uh, simplistic to somebody listening because they're already saying like, well, I know I do these things. But really what I mean is when you do them, Notice and pause, right? So don't just go, oh yeah, I said something mean. Okay, whatever, blah, 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 right? Like the next thought, the next thought. Really notice, pause. And then the the second kind of step to that after the notice, pause, the awareness piece is to get curious. So instead of going, oh, I did it again. Gosh, my stupid brain. And I'm always so mean to my, like, hello, that's just more negative. Like, Ask yourself the question, huh, I wonder why I keep saying that to myself. Isn't it interesting that those things keep coming up for me? And maybe there's no answer to those questions. Like those are rhetorical, but just start to get curious. So instead of being judgmental with yourself, which creates more negative self-talk, get curious. So those are probably my first two steps that I always start with clients with. And they're very um, challenging to start with because it's uncomfortable because you start to notice how negative and how mean you actually really are to yourself. But the awareness brings then the understanding of the possibility of like, huh, what it like, why am I doing this? When is this happening? Oh, it's happening when X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, maybe now that I know that, I can change that space, right? So it just brings in that next step of being able to then implement it and implement a behavior change to then change your belief, you know, and and go down the next like part of the, the shift, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, I think that makes perfect sense. And it's one of those things where it's like, it may not feel like sexy and dramatic. And I think that's like what we all were conditioned to want, like the sexy, dramatic weight loss pill, like, you know, dramatic six pack ab workout, whatever. Um, But like, I think the the immediate win you get there, and I don't think it's going to feel like a win necessarily, is the fact that if you do pause, you build that awareness, you figure out when it's happening, you notice that you pause like Whitney just said, and then you're getting curious and you're asking yourself why, like just giving yourself that attention like mm. is so nice, you know, yes. like even if it's literally like blank space, like, I have no idea why that just happened. Right. <laughs> like, just the right. fact that you asked yourself that is so kind and compassionate and like you deserve a pat on the back for just pausing and asking yourself like why did that happen like that actually is like a kind of immediate win actually yes yes and that is a celebration in itself right like that you were able to just pause and take the time to listen to yourself right and that builds that self-trust too So it, you know, it just builds the confidence of, oh, I can listen to myself. I can notice. I can trust myself. And then I can shift. So it's just, it's that practice. And I I always say it's a practice, just like you went to practice growing up, right? You went to swim practice or you went to, you know, basketball practice or you went to cross country practice. This is the same thing. But it's like every single day, every single moment, practice. And And I know – Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, No, I was going to ask another question. Finish your thought. Oh, I was just going to say, but that also doesn't mean that you can't have a day or a moment where you're like, oh, I'm so mad at myself and why did I do that and this is so stupid and – right? Like, no, you can still have that. That's still allowed to exist. And also then notice, wonder, get curious, let it go and move on, right? Like you can have both. You don't have to never be mean to yourself again. Like you're a human. It, it, it happens, but it's a practice. You just try again and then, you know, move forward. Yeah. I love that. It's like permission to be messy when you're doing it. Yeah. It's not going to be perfect. Right. I I feel like we talked about this already, but I almost just want to like repeat it to drive the point home here as we're like coming to the end. So let's say somebody new to this thought process gives it a try. They're building awareness. They're noticing the self-talk. They're pausing and they're asking themselves why, you know, when they're noticing mean self-talk. And how, Whitney, like if they're like need a a, um, more surface level motivation to do this, like how do you then tell that person how this is going to start impacting their workouts or their um, training as an athlete? Like what's that more superficial like workout related win that this practice is giving them? Yeah. I think my quickest and shortest answer is how do you feel when you get done with the workout? Like if you went to a workout and self-talked yourself into hating yourself the entire hour, you probably feel pretty shitty when you're done. If you were able to go into a workout, notice when you were 
not saying kind things to yourself and pause and say, oh, that's interesting. Okay, I'm going to move forward, continue with my run, continue with my lift, continue with, you know, whatever it is. And then you get done with the workout. How do you feel? You know, you may feel a little more mentally tired because you've done that like continual practice of work. But do you feel beat up? Do you feel unaccomplished? Do you feel frustrated? Or do you feel successful, proud, happy, right? Like I think that probably is the the easiest in the moment immediate like gain is just checking in with yourself and saying like, okay, now that I practice this, how do I feel at the end of my workout? Yeah. And just noticing. Yeah. I, I love that. Just like literally that narrative in your head when you start to change it and potentially like stop it from spiraling into like extreme negative self-talk, yes. it's going to affect your workouts and how you feel. And that in turn can make you feel more motivated. Like maybe it's not the same right. as motivation, but when you're not constantly being mean to yourself, like, yeah, it's easier to get out there and run because it feels good or it makes right. you, you know, you know, feel um, empowered versus I'm doing this to shrink my body and I hate myself. Right. So yeah. yeah. I mean, or I'm doing this because and and this is my kind of personal story, but I, I'm doing this because I hate my life and I hate my job and I hate all of these things. So I'm just beating my body to a pulp every single time I'm exercising. And then what's happening is I'm getting injured and I'm burnt out. And so I don't know what to do. So I'm, you know, doing all the things when really I need to be kind and rest, right? So it also can, you know, the outcome over time can allow you then to heal your relationship with how you exercise, with how you see yourself as an athlete. So instead of being this athlete who just like, you know, goes 100% all the time and is constantly injured, constantly exhausted, constantly frustrated because, oh, I trained for this race, but I got injured and I had to defer and blah, 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 blah. You're the now the athlete who can train smart, is healthy, is happy, can get to a race and be happy that you completed the race, whether it was a PR or whether it was a race that you're just really proud of yourself for getting across that finish line or even getting to the start line to the, you know, to begin with. So it changes your relationship with how you see yourself as an athlete too. Yeah. I And it's like, who doesn't want to be exercising because they love themselves and they're celebrating themselves right. versus as like a means of punishment. So right. that really hit home for me. I yeah. yes, that's, that's a very, very appealing long-term outcome of changing your yeah. relationship with self. Yeah. Um, so Whitney, I feel like in our world, we don't have enough women talking about why they love their body. So Whitney, can you share with us, why do you love your body? Yeah. Great question. I love my body because it is strong. Like it is 
beyond strong physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually than I ever thought or imagined it could be. So there's the aspect of strength from the physical aspect, right? You know, and doing things I never thought I would be able to. Like last night, for instance, I did a double bell snatch in kettlebell class, 30 pounds, and did it great form. Never thought that that like would happen when I started down the path of kettlebell training ever, right? So like the physical piece is such something that I love. But what I love about that piece is that when I move my body and move my body because I love to move my body, I feel strong emotionally. I I feel strong mentally so that then I can do other things that are challenging in my life. So I... I love my body because it's strong. Ugh, such a good reason. I also feel like, so is that a dumbbell, or I'm sorry, a kettlebell in each hand? Is that what a double yes. means? Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Holy cow, it that felt pretty cool. CrossFit, <laughs> like the crazy things they do on like the CrossFit competitions that I see on TV, that's like what that makes me think of. That's really Well, cool. and you know what's wild about it is that eight months ago – I never would have thought that that was like something I would be doing or like be, you know, be doing well, maybe be doing, but not be doing well and smart and safe and strong. And now it's like, I, you know, do it. And it's like, wow. Okay. You know? And then it's like, I walk in, I'm like, what else can I do? If I can do that, what else can I do emotionally, physically, spiritually? So it's, it's that whole you know, connection to like the spirit too. I think that is part of why I love that my body is strong. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful layer. Ugh, it's so multi-layered. It's just so yes. cool. Um, Whitney, how can people learn more about you? Do you have like a cool program that we need to know about? Just let us know how we can follow you and be friends with you. Yes. Yes, all the things. So yeah, there's a lot of ways that people can connect with me. The number one way is that I do a weekly newsletter in the Transcend community. So this newsletter newsletter is specifically curated to endurance, sport, strength training, mindset, all the things that I do with clients, but in a newsletter. So it's really applicable. It's really... Um, great knowledge for you as somebody who loves to be active, who is an athlete. And I send one out weekly. So if you're wanting specific content directly to your inbox, which means you don't have to like, you know, spill through all the things that are out there in the interwebs, uh, you can opt in at my website. Um, and that's transcendhealthandwellness.com. And you can also connect with me on social media, of course, uh, on Instagram and Facebook at transcendhealthandwellness.com. And those are all the ways. As far as programs do uh, go, I do one-on-one coaching. I have a strength training program that is a done-for-you program. I also do one-on-one strength coaching. So if you're interested in kettlebell work or you're interested in building strength as an endurance athlete, that's a piece of my work. And of course, we talked all about mindset and that is uh, 
the heart of everything I do with every client. So all of those. Amazing. So highly recommend that. Thank you, Whitney, so much for, for coming here today. And everyone, make sure you go follow Whitney. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dear Runner Bot. If you enjoyed what you heard, remember to subscribe and make sure you share today's episode. Also, if you're looking to download a free three-step guide to love your runner's bod, then head to serenamarierd.com. Can't wait to chat with you next week.